Welcome to The Mom Closet, a podcast where you get to experience freedom, the freedom to be a mom and more. Each week we'll cover topics on self-care, personal development, spirituality, and everything in between to ensure you be, do, and have all that God has designed for you. I am your host, Naomi Osemerwa. Hey gorgeous, welcome to episode eight. I am so excited because today we have our very first special interview series and it is with none other than the dragon slayer, Catherine Winch, author of the book Slay Like a Mother and the CEO of The Mom Complex. We recently had a live session together on YouTube and I felt it was important for us to share some of the highlights with you and I know you are going to have a fabulous time with us. That's it. Let's get into it. We are live. In April 2019, all roads led to New Delhi, India, where I was scheduled to pick up my first international award at the Women Economic Forum. But I wasn't there alone, as thousands of women came from across the globe, and one of them was Catherine Winch. She was also being celebrated for her phenomenal work. From the moment I met Catherine, I was fascinated by her act of generosity flying all the way from the U.S. to India with 300 books for the women. She shared her heart, signed autographs, plus she was fascinated by the beautiful and colorful women from Nigeria. Who knew, three years later, I would have the honor of speaking on stage with her. Catherine Winch is the founder and CEO of The Mom Complex, where she helps some of the largest companies in the world, such as Walmart, Johnson & Johnson, Pinterest, and Chobani develop better products and services for mothers. She's also the author of the popular book, Slay Like a Mother, which Parade Magazine named one of the top 10 life-changing self-help books of the year. Catherine's sought-after research on women and mothers has been featured by the Today Show, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Working Mother Magazine. However, don't let all the accolades fool you. She's also been through years of therapy, decades of self-doubt, and more than her fair share of tequila. Thankfully, she tamed her dragon of self-doubt, and now she's helping other women do the same. The Mom Closet Community, please help me make welcome to the first ever YouTube live show, Catherine Winch. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Mom Closet Show. My name is Dr. Naomi Osimedua, and tonight is a very, very special night. As you have heard from the introduction, Catherine and I met three years ago, and she was such a great inspiration. I mean, I still have my autograph book right here, right here. And I know Catherine always likes to take a shot of this moment. And um, it's just so powerful. I remember that 
2019, having to travel the world and just be a blessing. I got a message on one of the trips while I was celebrating my husband uh, in the DM on Instagram. And it was, oh my God, you are married. Oh my God, you have children. And I think she felt it was impossible for me to be a mom and be a wife and still be able to do all the things that I was doing. And that journey really began for me to wanting uh, to reach out to moms and just really letting them know that they can be moms and they can be everything else. And so you cannot even imagine my excitement knowing that we have an expert on all things moms and she has not just a book, a best-selling book to her name. She's also the CEO of the Mom Complex. So Please, again and again, in the comments everywhere, help me make welcome, Catherine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hello, Queen. Hello. What a day. So let me start. Let me start by asking, when we met in India three years ago, did you imagine this day? I did. <laughs> I did because, um, as you said in the intro, I was so captivated. That's the only word, captivated by the women of Nigeria. And in that moment, I said, I will visit this country. I will understand these people. I will, um, I just knew I was going to fall in love with you and all these women. And so, um, you know, it's been a little long time coming because of COVID yes. and, and everything. But um, yes. yeah, I imagined that this would happen. Oh, there you go. So honestly, this this day is special. You have been through this experience of dealing with the guilt, dealing with self-doubt and in your words, you know, the dragons. And you have conquered and you continue to conquer. And today you're so passionate about helping other women do the same. At the Mom Closet, our slogan, our message is, this is a place to experience freedom. So let's start with what that freedom is like for you. Because I think I want moms to get that picture of what it's like on the other side. The other side where you're not tormented day in, day out with the guilt of motherhood and everything that comes with it. So I want you to start by telling us about that place of freedom. Yeah, that's a great question. I I would say that my life is not perfect. You know, I still have hiccups and hardships and struggles like so many people, but dealing with the chaos around me has become so much easier because I'm not also dealing with the chaos inside of me. And so that's for me what freedom really feels like. It feels like less friction, less pain, less um, hating on myself and yelling at myself. And so I guess it just feels a lot more peaceful and, um, and calm. And, you know, no matter what comes my way, I, um, you know, I don't beat myself up for, you know, struggling through certain situations. And so it just feels lighter, a lot lighter. 
I love it. It feels a lot lighter. And at this moment, I really want to take some time out to welcome all the people joining us live. And of course, those who are watching this, those who will watch this on the replay, we have nothing but love for you. I see Fumi, I see Emmanuel, I see Amawumi, and um, Nena is here as well. Dio is here. Please, guys, share this out. Share this, share this. Let's have more people join us. I am so grateful that you're spending this evening, morning, or afternoon, wherever you are in the world, with us. Okay, Catherine, in your book, you said something really powerful. There is a difference between struggling and suffering. Now, this really got me. And you said being a mother is a struggle. It always has been. But your suffering is optional. Tell us about that. So according to my research, there's a, a fine line, but a really important line um, in distinction between struggling and suffering. So the way I like to think about it is that the struggles in your life are brought on by the external circumstances in your life. So figuring out what to feed your family, trying to get a new job, struggling with breast cancer, having a child that has ADD, ADHD, the list is endless. Those are struggles and they're brought on by the things around you. And what's important to know is those struggles are never not going to be there. In other words, when you conquer one struggle, there's going to be the next one. I'm a mother of two teenagers and I've, it's a struggle because I've never been a mother to teenagers before. So just expect that you're always going to struggle. But we suffer and we dip down into suffering um, at our own hand. And so suffering is brought on by the internal circumstances in your life, how you feel about yourself, how you speak to yourself. And as Eleanor Roosevelt once said, no one can make you feel bad about yourself without your permission. And so we suffer when we say, oh, you suck. You're not good enough. You're not thin enough. You're not patient enough. You're not mom enough. Everything you do is terrible. This negative self-talk. And so what I talk about and say like a mother is that the struggle is real, but the suffering is optional. And while that might sound overwhelming, it's really meant to be empowering. So if, if you are causing your own suffering, then you can uncause it. You can stop yelling at yourself. You can learn to respect and love yourself. And then you can just struggle. So if you're listening to this and you're struggling, you're winning. Good job. Wow. wow. I, I think I love what you shared. And I read this in the book about how you just said it now you are a mom of two teenagers and you've never been you've never been there before i think we lose sight of that you know i'm a mom and that's it and with every stage our kids grow into we're starting that all over again and so it's important that we give ourselves the grace and even if you have five teenagers hello go figure Five of them can come out of you, but they all have different um, behavior patterns. They, they react to things differently. And so you're trying to figure out what worked for John isn't working for Kate. And that certainly isn't working for Michael. And so it's a continuous learning process. And you wonder why we put ourselves in this place where we feel I'm not good enough. And, and let's talk about that because you did mention that you were a card-carrying member of that community. So tell us about 
you know, the early days, you know, before the whole dragon slay moment. Tell us about just what it was like being in that place of carrying that card. Yeah. Um, so for 20 years of my life, from age 15 to 35, I lived with a pretty ferocious dragon of self-doubt inside of me. And I never felt good enough. And it didn't matter if I got a straight A report card in, in, in school or a, I got a big promotion at work. It was never enough. I was always chasing, always running. I was always hustling for external approval and external love. And what after many years of therapy, I came to realize was that I was so desperate to impress other people because I was so unimpressed with myself. And I thought the more I achieve, the more perfect I can be, then finally I will love myself. And I was exhausted. I was working 80 hours a week in my career. I was a shell of a human being, just trying to prove myself on this hamster wheel that I was running on. And then it finally dawned on me that if if I'm not fulfilled, if I don't love myself after this big bag of trophies and accolades that I have collected, then what in the world is wrong? And that's really what sparked my two-year self-help journey where I went through lots of therapy. I can't recommend therapy enough. Um, it really saved my life. And I read lots of self-help books. I, I watched lots of Oprah episodes. I drank lots of red wine and I healed myself. I learned to love myself from the inside so that I no longer require it from the outside. Finally, finally. That is, that so, is powerful. so powerful. Learning to love yourself from the inside. It, it really starts from the inside. And I know how, for me, growing up, I suffered with um, a lot of low self-esteem. I was... Um, bigger than the regular girl. So I grew up in Southeast Asia and uh, most of my friends from, you know, that part of the world came in very petite and very cute frames. And here I was, this big black girl with full Afro hair. I, I felt so awkward. And I recall when anyone would call me fat, I would get upset, I would get angry, and I would just get into this really dark place. It would take years for me to realize that that whole experience as a teenager ended up affecting me at the age of 22 when I ran away from home, when I eloped, because I was constantly searching for uh, someone to affirm me, someone to make me feel like I was good enough. And it, it is important that we 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 slay those dragons. It's important that we shut the voices up because... I would never have imagined that not dealing with that childhood trauma of being called fat and getting angry and just feeling not beautiful was going to get me to a place where I would meet someone and against better judgment, I would do the unthinkable. I mean, perhaps in your part of the world, it's kind of okay to elope, but here it was more like a taboo and it still is because we have such a big, rich culture of parents giving their children away in marriage. It is the most honorable thing to do. 
it's unheard of and unthinkable for one from this part to just get up and get married. We don't do such. And it was it was a turning point for me. And I remember by the age of 31, I was already divorced, a single mom with two sons, and just wondering how did I get here? Well, I got there by not slaying my dragons. I got there by searching for love in all the wrong places and just waiting for someone to affirm me when I should have, you know, gotten to that place of knowing who I am. And I I am a believer and I understand what God's word says about me. And that has kept me so grounded now. And even when the voices come and even when the, the thoughts come about, you know, look at you, you've added the the list uh, or rather you've added divorced to the family tree because I still get those feelings. You've added this to the family tree. And I, I tell myself, well, yes, it happened. Yes, I made some poor mis- uh, poor decisions. I, I, I made some poor decisions. I, I made some, you know, bad choices. However, we all not- do. Yes. <laughs> yes, we all do. And, and I'm saying to every woman listening to, to us tonight that there, there is no perfect mom out there. There is no perfect woman. And if you agree with me, you can put that in the comments. Yes, Nena says, learning to love yourself from the inside. Uh, Dayo actually is saying, so sometimes we know that our experiences shape us. How do we as women heal from these experiences? Do you want to take that? Dayo's asking. How do we? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first way to heal is to admit that it happened. And Naomi, you just did it. You know, it's recognizing and remembering and pinpointing and saying, this happened to me when I was a young girl. Someone called me fat and it stuck to me and my self-esteem, you know, um, took a nosedive. And according to my research with women all around the world, 75% of the time, our dragons of self-doubt are born during or before adolescence. And so it's very rare that becoming a mother actually causes your self-doubt. What's more likely is that it was born when you were a teenager or younger and it stuck, something stuck to you, it hurt you. And you've carried that baggage forward, as you said. And then what happens is we become a mother and we just have 152 new reasons every day to think we suck because we want to do this so well. We want to do a good job at being a mother. So the most important step in healing is to admit that you are hurt and to understand and do some journaling, some investigation into who hurt you. How old were you? And um, the reason that you need to do that is because that which you name has less power over you. And for me, for so long, I didn't know what it was. I didn't recognize what it was. I didn't address it. And so admitting it and, you know, you can admit it on paper first, you know, maybe you can, you know, you can write it in your book, you can write it in your journal, and then you start, you have to start saying it out loud. Um, because I can imagine, Naomi, even for you being able to say I was called fat and it really hurt me has to be has to give you some freedom from that. Mm-hmm. Right? That's true. That's true. And um, getting to that place really of realizing, well, 
I may have been fat. I mean, it's not like I'm a plus, I'm a size two right now. <laughs> but I think I've grown to that place of embracing my body and just recognizing the fact that I am beautifully endowed. As a matter of fact, now, when I talk about trying to lose weight, I get all sorts of people say, oh, my God, but you are beautiful. Oh, you carry your body so well. And I'm in a better place, no doubt about it. But really recognizing the fact that this is what it is. And um, I do not have to let the words of others define me. And I, I learned that also from one of my coaches, Kat, Karen Donaldson. And she would often say, the words of others do not define me. And if you agree, uh, please put that in the comments as well. The words of others do not define me. And I think it's so important that we speak kindness to ourselves. Yeah. I don't think we're I don't think we're doing that enough, Catherine. No. I don't think we're doing that enough. Just speaking kindness to yourself. Because in the world where we are constantly, you know, bombarded on every side, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, television, everywhere, there is a perceived perfect woman out there, you know, with the perfect body and the perfect smile and the perfect children. There is that tendency to feel, my goodness, my life really sucks. <laughs> I'm not doing anything, you know? You look at everyone else and you think, well, they have it figured out. Like, look at you. What are you even doing? Mm. Some days I just pause and say, girl, you're doing good. You're doing good. You know, just pat yourself on the back and say, girl, you are doing good. I think it's something we need to practice often. And just speak kindly to ourselves. So tell us some of the tell us some of the ways we can do this, Catherine. How can we start practicing kindness to ourselves? Talk to us. Yeah. So I have to say too. I think another thing that's really important that you just said is like we have to recognize that so many women are hating on themselves, and um, and again that can seem overwhelming, but. At the same time, it should feel a little bit freeing. So when I did a research study with women in 17 different countries and found out that the number one emotion was self-doubt, it was very freeing to me because I thought I was the only one. I was the only one that thought I was pathetic and everybody else is perfect. And Naomi, when I met you in Nigeria and you had that gorgeous red cape dress on and the most beautiful hair I'd ever seen and you were so lit up from the inside and I could tell that my talk affected you. I could tell that it was very meaningful to you. And I remember thinking, what in the flip is she self-conscious about? I mean, I just remember being like, there's no way in the world that woman has self-doubt. Like she is such a queen. And so anyway, I'll get to the kindness thing, but I just think it's important because we make ourselves feel worse when we think we're the only ones that feel this way. And we think every other woman is just floating through life on clouds and has no problems. And I'm here to tell you that that is not the case. That's not true. One way is just know that, you know, you're not the only one other one. You're not the only one that feels that way. Right. But so how do you be kind to yourself? So the way I like to talk about it is how can you teach the mean voice in your head some manners? 
So this mean voice that you have in your head, it's never going to completely go away. There's always, you know, something that we can be, um, you know, critical about ourselves. And that's not always a terrible thing, but you can teach it some manners. So I'll give you an example. And it is a practice. You're going to constantly have to do this. So um, I was in a hotel gym not too long ago on a trip and I got up a little early and I went and rode the exercise bike at the gym. And um, when I was done, I rested my hands on like the top side of my backside. I was kind of, you know, stretching when I was done. And uh, my hands grabbed what felt like two handfuls of cellulite. And so the negative voice in my head automatically said, what must that look like? You know, and I'm looking around like, can everybody see my cellulite? And so first of all, I heard the negative voice. And that's really important because a lot of times, we just yell at ourselves all day and we never pay attention to it. We never actually hear it. So I heard the negative voice and then I taught it some manners. And what I said was what this looks like is that I got my ass out of bed and I put it on a bike. That's what this looks like. And so even if that negative voice comes back time and time and time again, please know that you can have the final word. You can teach it some manners and you get to decide whether having cellulite makes you a loser or you're a champion for getting out of the bed, getting out of bed and exercising. You get to decide. You get to decide. So we truly do have the power, don't we, to decide yeah. cellulite all over the place or I got out of bed, even if it was just for a 10 minute walk. I got out of bed and I did something for me today. I want to read something from your book. And uh, ladies and gentlemen in the comments, please let me know if you're getting value because I'm just, my notes are full. I am taking down all the notes. When I'm not on the screen, I am taking down the notes. And it's important that we share some feedback with Catherine tonight. So please let me know what you're picking out of this session so far. So there is this part of the book where you talked about some of the ways that we may be talking to ourselves. So struggling versus suffering. So struggling. I have nothing for dinner as usual. Looks like chicken nuggets and frozen broccoli again. Maybe this time they will eat it with hummus. Here goes nothing. And suffering is I am a pure, poor excuse for a mother because my friend Kelsey's kids devour broccoli like it's candy, while mine yell at me for even putting it on their plate. One more, struggling. If my mom says one more thing about my son's grades, I'm going to start buying wine in bulk. Suffering, I have really let my son's standards slip. Even my own mother sees it. We both know he'll probably end up in jail by the time he's 16 and it will be all my fault. We have to talk about this. Why do we do this to ourselves? Why? 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 And I know you shared a little bit about struggling and suffering, but these are very practical examples of just how we take things to the extreme of just thinking, okay, something happens and that's it. This yeah. child is ending up in jail and yeah. it's my fault. I failed. I'm a terrible mother. I'm a terrible excuse of a mother. Tell me a little bit um, why 
why you think we take these things to the extreme? Like there must be some science, some there must be some angle to this that I don't know. Like it just has to be the other end of the stick. We don't even find a middle ground. It just feels like it has to be the other end of the stick. Why do we do this, Catherine? Why? Well, we do it because we're starting from a deficit. So if we just felt normal about ourselves or neutral about ourselves, we wouldn't do this. But we start in this deficit of self-doubt, meaning we're telling ourselves that we suck every day. And so then the coping mechanism becomes, okay, well, I'm going to overachieve. I'm going to make sure my ch children eat vegetables three meals a day. I'm going to make sure I go back and get my PhD and I get straight A's. So there's a difference between expectations that are high. You know, we should all have high expectations, but we make them too high because we truly believe in our soul that if we can achieve them and if we can be perfect, then we will finally feel better about ourselves. But what happens is we think that these superhero expectations that we set are going to make us feel better. We think they're going to set us up for success, but they actually set us up for failure because there's no way you can achieve all the things at the level that you're trying to achieve them at. So what happens? You're in this deficit. You raise your expectations too high. You can't meet them. And so then you feel like a loser. And then you call yourself names. And then you set the expectations too high all over again. So it's this very dangerous cycle. And uh, in the book, I talk about how to kind of level set those expectations. And one way to do that is to write down, my therapist had me do this, Write down what are your expectations for yourself? What are your expectations for motherhood? What are your expectations, you know, as a wife? And um, when I, she, my therapist had me do this maybe eight years ago, I was horrified at what I wrote down. And what I wrote down was, I expect to be the perfect mother all day, every day in everyone's eyes. That's what I wrote down. And so hopefully you can see that that is not setting me up for success. <laughs> that is setting me up for failure. And then she had me think about it and rewrite my expectations and, you know, really bring them back down to earth. And now my expectations are do the best that I can. Don't hate on myself, you know, all the time and expect it to be really, really hard because it is hard to be a mother. And as you can see, those expectations set me up for success instead of for failure. That is so true. Setting you up for success and not for failure. We are going to go for a quick break. This is the time for you to grab water. If you haven't shared this yet, this is a good time to run off to Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp and let people know that, let your tribe know that we are live on YouTube. We will be back in a second. Want to learn something new? Be ahead of competition? and simply just stand out from the crowd, I know a perfect place. Go, sparkle your world.
I am too sure that you agree with me that hanging out with Catherine was such a power-packed session. We couldn't give you all the highlights today, so next week, stay tuned for the part two of this special series, How to Slay Like a Mom. Be sure to share your feedback in the comments, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me today on The Mom Closet. Make sure to visit the website naomiosamedua.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes and everywhere else so you'll never miss a show. We're social and it will be exciting to connect with you on social media at The Mom Closet. One more thing, your feedback is what I consider chicken soup for my soul. Don't forget to share your comments, leave us a review, and of course, get your tribe connected. We want to continue bringing you amazing episodes. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to connecting with you on the next show. Go sparkle your world.